Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Coming right up on episode 259 of Wheel Bearings, we've got lots of Hyundais with the Elantra and the Santa Cruz and the 2023 Palisade. We've also got the Mazda CX-30, a road trip in the Nissan Rogue. Uh, Electrify America goes flat pack. Uh, Ralph Nader calls out Tesla. EVs are getting more expensive. And Cadillac's got some interesting new names. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is Wheel Bearings episode 259. I'm Sam Abul Samad from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin with the Fast Women Podcast. And I am Roberto Baldwin from The Drive. And Mr. Baldwin, since you haven't had anything to drive for the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> it's still an empty block on the show notes. Does he have something no, to he, drive? No, he's got something in there. He's got something in there. Tell there. us what you've been Put driving, Robbie. In. So I well I didn't have it at home because now I have to travel for like the next couple of weeks, um, but I I drove um, the Hyundai Santa Fe. I'm sorry, not the Santa Fe, the Santa Cruz, the their their uh, the trucky thing, the little trucky thing, which I have the not truck-lit. driven yet. The trucklet. Oh, I like that. It, it just hasn't it hasn't come up. So I got to drive it while I was in uh, North Carolina. I drove the. All-wheel drive, uh, four-cylinder turbo edition. So I drove the expensive one, and it has a little. I, you know what? I don't know how to say that. Th- the name of the thing on the back that covers tono? the bed. Tono. Yeah. It's I never tono. say I, it the same way twice. I go tono, then tono, then tono, then tonoa. I just I make it up as I go. I don't know either. I've never heard it said out loud before. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tono cover. Tano? It's, a tano. it's one of those words like when you're a little kid and you read a lot of books and there's all these yeah. words you know, but you don't know how they it, sound. If, you don't if, know how to pronounce them. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if, yeah. You're talking, if you're talking to the, the head of product PR at Stellantis, it's Deno, Rick Deno. But if you're talking about the cover on the back of a pickup <gasps> truck, it's a Tano. Now I'm going to remember that will actually tano. work if I think Tano like tano. Deno. I'm like, well, thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. So, yeah, so I, I drove, I had the little Tano on the back, and it was, uh, we, we were in North Carolina. We were driving up this little mountain road, and it did really well for a truck. It's all wheel drive, of course, though, and it's also really an SUV. And it's only sort of a truck. It's, it's really yeah, a Hyundai it's, Tucson. It's a, a Hyundai Tucson with a bed. It's a truckle. It's like the yeah. Maverick. The Maverick's like, you know, the, the edge, but. In both instances, throwing truck uh, bodies on top of uh, SUV platforms is a pretty sweet gig, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was it was a fun little car. I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed it far more than I anticipated. Um, the you know the only downside to this vehicle is that it's more expensive than the Maverick. The only downside is that the Maverick exists. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. 
that is really that's really about it. But I think uh, the, I think the Maverick is is not as nice a ride as. The oh no, no, the Maverick's or not so. as nice. That's yeah, a, I, I, the Maverick is absolutely more much more basic. Yes, the Maverick is yes. basic. Where the Santa Cruz is like, oh, it's a nice little truck inside here. Yeah, if you're looking for, it, it's the same. I mean, this is we've talked about it again and again and again. You get a Hyundai, you're getting more than what you pay for mm-hmm. compared to pretty much anywhere else. Uh, the interior is the same. You're getting more than what you pay for. It is if you're if you're looking at the Maverick, you're like, oh, the, you know, like you know, it's basic. It's it's not as nice as I want. Just you can get the Santa Cruz and then be like, oh, oh, this is nice. Yeah, doesn't have as all the utilities. Doesn't have 3D printing. Doesn't have all the little slats in the back. Um, <laughs> Or slots in the back for, for, for random pieces of wood, which I still have in my backyard, all the random pieces of wood <laughs> for the Maverick uh, video shoot. So now um, you have to go buy a Maverick so you can use those. I actually thought that like about two weeks ago. I was in my backyard and I was moving some wood around. Um, and I saw all there was like four or five pieces that I had cut specifically for that vehicle. And I was like... I should just go buy a Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> You've got these. you got $4 worth of wood. You might as well go yeah. buy a whole truck no, to match it. No, wood's expensive. That's a good $200 <laughs> yeah. worth of wood. Oh, sorry, got, Mike. Still, that spend... makes much more sense to buy a truck to yeah. match it now. Totally makes sense. <laughs> $200 worth of wood, I might as well run out and buy a $20,000 vehicle yeah. that, A, I'm not going to get for like eight months, and B, is going to cost me $30,000 because the world is insane right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, back to the Santa Cruz. No, it was, it was uh, you know, I only had it for about about an hour. I didn't get to haul things with it, but I get did get to move, um, open and close the trunk and use the Tono? Tono. 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 Okay. I'm going to remember that. Tono. Tono. I'm going to forget it in about 30 seconds. Tono. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I really like the, the, the Hyundai Santa Cruz. It's a, a great little truck. If you're looking for a small truck and you want something a little bit more fancy than the, uh, the Maverick, if you demand... Satisfaction uh, when it comes to an interior. Um, I'm not saying the Maverick interior is bad. It's actually really good for for the price you're paying. Um, but the, the the Santa Cruz is just nicer. It's just it's just nicer in and out. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's more stylish. You know, it's a yeah, it's more. It's a little more premium looking interior. It's like a tiny Ridgeline. Yeah, it's a tiny Honda Ridgeline. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. It is like you took a Ridgeline, just squish it down, and put a Hyundai, yeah. a Hyundai badge on it. Yeah, if you like, it even has a little trunk inside the uh, inside the bed. You like, whoop, whoop, put little things in there. It's not as deep as the Ridgeline, but yeah, it's you're looking for it. You're looking at the Ridgeline. You're like, oh, it was just a little too big. Hyundai's like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got something we got, for you. We got you covered. Hey, we can fix that. We got that. you covered uh, because it was the uh, the all-wheel drive and it was the the um, the force the turbo version. It uh, the price was forty thousand dollars, which is. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you need the turbo, really, to be quite honest. Um, all-wheel drive, I mean, that's up to you as a human, whether or not you think you need all-wheel drive. Um, but other than that, no. I think you can be fine with it. I mean, if all you're doing is hauling around mulch, you can probably get by yeah. without the without yeah, the, uh, just, the four-wheel drive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you live somewhere, maybe it snows, and you want that little extra peace of mind. Um I'm, I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm still a little surprised, you know, given that this thing is based on the Tucson platform, and you know, from the from the doors forward, uh, you know, it's basically a Tucson. I mean, there's very subtle differences from from the Tucson um, that they didn't think about putting the plug-in or the hybrid powertrain in here from from launch, uh, as Ford did with the Maverick. 
uh, and I talked to the uh, the head of um, product planning for SUVs at um, at the program in in, Cal- in uh, North Carolina this week about that, and he said, yeah, there was some uh, some challenges with the packaging for the battery in the Santa Cruz, and they're they're still working on that. They they uh-huh. they realized uh-huh. that they'd like hmm. to have a hybrid version in there, um, but they they haven't worked all that out yet. They're so. Hopefully, before the end of the product cycle for this one, they'll they'll have a hybrid version to go up against the the Maverick hybrid. Ooh, so yeah, if you so let's assume they had a hybrid version, and you could go with a hybrid Santa Cruz or a Maverick, then what would you do? I would still get the Maverick just you because would. it's it's less expensive. I don't okay. need fancy when it comes to a truck. I'm very like every in my brain still for me personally every the vehicles that are like a truck should be a truck. A truck should be something that I'm hauling like horses with and throwing hay in the back of. Like that's like my whole history with trucks is that it was always like a work machine. Like if it gets scratched, no one cares because it's a truck. So and like so you don't Maverick want any, you don't much, want any like fancy pants, King Ranch, Platinum. No, no, I don't want any of that. None of that. None of the fancy trims. You're like I this, want the the work truck, whatever the that is, I, XL or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. To me, a truck is a work truck. An SUV should be something that I could go off road with. Um, it's essentially just a, a, ni- a, a slightly nicer Wrangler, um, you know. A slightly a nicer Wrangler. <laughs> Otherwise, like, yeah. trucks and Wranglers are exactly the same. <laughs> no, if I'm looking at an SUV, if I'm looking at an SUV, I want an SUV to be a slightly nicer Wrangler. I want it to be nicer than a Wrangler inside with doors to close and windows that don't make weird noises. Uh, but I also want to be able to go off-roading. And, and so, like, the whole, you know, hatchbacks should be hatchbacks. And, yeah. Wagons should be wagons, but why? Well, I think wagons is the one thing. Where so like, what you, you don't take your family you, somewhere really fast. That's what <laughs> so what you're saying is you don't actually want vehicles to cross over between segments. I don't. They should yeah, be I don't, what they are. <laughs> be you don't want any intermingling. No intermingling. I don't, well, I don't want. I don't want coupes that have four doors. <laughs> or coupes. I want a coupe with. I want a two door coupe. I want a manual transmission in a in a sports car. I want a yeah. So. Then again, I, I, I have a, I have a crossover EV, that, so what are you going to do? At Thanksgiving, do you also make sure like that your turkey doesn't touch your mashed potatoes? No, no. When I eat food, I cram it all together. Okay. I wasn't sure how far this if like, I can make, what's, thing what, Once you chew, it's all turning into one big mass anyway. So, Yeah, I want, I, I want everything all smashed together. But then, again, this is just me. And so when I look at cars, I look at how the rest of the world would want them. But for me personally, it would be the Maverick just because I want a very simple, just a truck. Boom. Done. That's like it. the Miata. You just want a Roadster and it's, that's, that's it. It's a Roadster. You're not trying like, hey, let's kind of gussy it up with some. No, it's a Roadster. You get in, no you drive it. Up. It's fun. Okay. Okay. I like All that. Right. And, and this is why we have choices. So that yeah. we can, you can pick the one that works for you. <laughs> for somebody that wants a little exactly. more visual style, they can go for the Santa Cruz. I really yeah. like the yeah, Santa Cruz. Yeah, no. it's I really like it too. But I want a truck. That's a truck. I want a truck. I want a truck. Like a nice I want. I want to feel. Inside. I want to feel okay putting the dogs in the back of the Maverick. I feel like if I, I can put them in the back of the Santa Cruz, but I'm going to feel a little bit like Ooh. I'm going to put a cover down. In the Santa Cruz, in the, in the Maverick, just, yeah, in the Maverick, they're just getting in. It's like my at my house, we have the the Kona, the Kona EV. Yeah, we have a cover inside the car for the dogs, but in the Jaguar, nah, they just right on the leather seats. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> on the the Jaguar sedan, the dogs just sit right there, right on the leather seats. Good for them. 
they they deserve the nice feel of leather on their bums. <laughs> <laughs> leather on their little butts. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, all right. Well, this is the report we're talking about. Like that, what's your priority? Well, my dog's butt is comfortable, so I'm going to buy the car. My dog is <laughs> is comfortable, and as far as I'm concerned, the the Jaguar to me is just a work vehicle. It's, it is a working vehicle. It is used for just hauling things around, inc- including the dogs. Okay. Well, I, I was listening to um, the Accidental Tech podcast the other day, and one of the the co-hosts, Marco Arment, was uh, telling a story. He, he he and his wife and son live on Fire Island uh, in New York. And um, he has, in addition to his Tesla, he, he's got an old F, uh, Toyota FJ Cruiser that he bought, which was in the hope that he was going to be able to get a permit to drive on the island because you have to have a permit to drive on the island. And he noticed the, the, the FJ was starting to get a little um, rusty and, and other stuff, and he started looking up the resale values of them. And he... Um, he uh, um, realized that he could actually sell the FJ Cruiser for more than he bought it. Right now, he could sell it for, or wow. trade it in for more than he bought it for last fall. And so he took his 10-year-old son to go car shopping uh, and you know to get a replacement for that. And he looked at um, the Wrangler plug-in hybrid, the 4xe, the um, uh, Land Rover Defender, and... Um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, the Toyota 4Runner. And, you know, he had his, had, had his son come along to give his ratings on the thing, you know, <laughs> including, you know, rear, rear seat comfort and rear visibility while driving. And, uh, and also his, his third rating was how it smells. And they ended up, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they found that the, the, uh, the Wrangler, uh, while it had a great powertrain, you know, plug-in hybrid, um, and, you know, obviously great four-wheel drive capability it was really cramped and everything you know even in the the four-door wrangler uh the um the um forerunner just felt old uh which well, is fair and, and so they ended up buying the land rover defender instead that is a solid choice yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, that that defender is so nice yeah it's well. I mean, it's nice that Marco can afford it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Also, there's a little pricing discrepancy between those things he was listing there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Wrangler they were looking at was seventy grand. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You um, can't get up there. It was it was like a Rubicon then, right? Yeah. 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 And actually, the the Defender they bought was actually a eighteen month old used one. It was a twenty. Oh, model. so then pricing probably Ooh. all. Yeah. Because on the new out. defenders, they, the dealer was asking a fifteen thousand dollar markup on the new oh, defenders. Oh, of course they were. But he, he got the 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 used one with like I don't know fifteen thousand miles on it or something uh, for a really good price. So Quite anyway, good. you know what? That's, anyway. that's, a, that's a that's a perfect example of like it's a Jeep just nicer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a Jeep just nicer. <laughs> it's a Jeep just nicer. Well, you can't yeah. take the doors off. You can't take the doors off. Yeah, it's fine. That's you can't like, drop the windshields. It, I mean, it's great and fun if you do that, but I don't. I don't think people. people I think people I do, do that. that. Once. We take the doors I, off. I, I, I see like, a surprising number of people drive around here in Wranglers with the doors off. Yeah, I had an uncle who I don't think he ever had the doors on. I uh, never got into yeah. his. It, into is a renegade. It was back when the Wrangler renegade. Yeah, it's like old, 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 old time. It was a trim uh, level right? on the on the CJ yeah. at one point. Okay. Yeah, 
It was a trim level, and I don't think he ever had the. I think he might have had a roof, but I never saw it, and I never <laughs> ever Maybe saw the doors. Maybe he got a really good deal. This doesn't come with doors or roof. Not a problem. Don't need them anyway. <laughs> I've, I've, I've actually finally seen a couple of Broncos driving around with the doors off in the last couple of weeks. So good for those I haven't people. seen. You know what? The few Broncos I've seen, because obviously far less of those on the road, <clears throat> I have not seen a single one that wasn't closed up tight as a drum. Every single one. There's nothing <laughs> I, removed from that. Everything all buttoned up. No ex- no outside elements were intruding into those vehicles. Yeah, I haven't seen one with the doors off yet. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. They should call my uncle. He'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of having a vehicle you can take the doors off? You're leaving if the you doors off. I remember as a little off. kid, like five, six years old, just being like, that's the road. I can <laughs> see the road. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> were you at least buckled in? Yeah, it could have Maybe. been questionable back in the day. It could have been questionable. <laughs> yeah, may, I think that might have been the only time, the only vehicle I buckled in in like the early 80s. Like <laughs> I, I always buckled I, I, in. I didn't wear, yeah, I, we never, like had, our parents never, nah. My mom was a nurse, so she was like, you will be properly secured in a vehicle at all times because she just, she'd seen some stuff over the years and she's like, you will wear your seatbelt. <laughs> Yeah, not us. We were just sort of like fancy free and flopping all over the place. And you survived. And yet here you are, despite the lack of seatbelt usage, <laughs> the responsible child yeah, that you I, were. I got I got through my childhood without ever, you know, seeing a bicycle helmet, so Yeah, that's true. And, and we did I, we did some crazy stuff on our bikes. That's right. No helmets. Yeah, no you know helmets. what? I was I was watching Stranger Things and there was a moment where they had the kids riding and they had like Pads on their knees and pads on the their skateboard elbows. Did it. That's the skateboard thing. You know no, what I'm that talking is, about. That is totally the, inauthentic 80s. It was, that was the, inauthentic, the most inauthentic yes. scene in the entire series is that moment. I was Thank watching. You. I was like, no, that's not right. Because I remember even in the late 80s, if anyone showed up with pads right? or a helmet, right? skateboarding, oh, my God. Skateboarding was so incredibly it – was, it, was, it was this outsider thing but also very elitist. Like once yes. you became a skateboarder, like – you didn't wear pads. You had to listen to punk music. <laughs> like yes. there was a, there were rules to be an skateboarder. I'm so glad was... that scene bothered you because as soon as it came on the screen, I can't tell you what else was happening because all my brain did was like, whoop, that's not the 80s. <laughs> that is not yeah. the 80s. <laughs> Especially the mid 80s. No, we, no, I remember, yeah, no I remember late 80s. Some kid showed up. We were all skateboarding. Some kid showed up with pads and we were like, what are you doing? And he's like, my mom won't let me skateboard. And we're like, is your mom even here? And he took the pads off. We <laughs> we we peer pressure. So you were a this bad poor, influence. You're, we you, peer, yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't I didn't really talk much. So all the other kids made fun of him. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't stop him. <laughs> but we peer pressured this him. kid into writing unsafe into, into putting his life in danger. And I think he hurt himself that day. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Robbie. <laughs> Back with all scraped up knees. He and has elbows. a huge scar on the side of his face. Well, this kid Robbie, when I was little. Believe me, into not wearing my helmet. <laughs> yeah, I I had broken my my arm once, and I still skateboarded with my arm. A broken arm. All I had was the brace yeah. that they made me wear. And I remember my mom being like, "Can you not do that?" And I'm like, "Why? What do you mean?" All the over stuff like an idiot. Yeah, sorry, yeah, right. I'm totally off track. But what, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what, what did you drive, Nicole? Okay, so I had the. Um, 2022 Mazda CX-30, and I'm going to try and look at this Moroni without crinkling. It is the single crinkliest. It's like, it's like they put it in saran wrap. I don't know what's happening here. So um, I have this vehicle for the week. It is the 2.5 turbo, which means it has a 2.5 liter turbocharged four-cylinder, 227 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque, six-speed auto. Um, it is $36,345. Wow. Okay, give me guesses on destination because I just looked. 
1,200. 12.95. Oh, my God. So you guys are really close. 12.25. Oh. Ooh, okay. I won. Yeah. I think that's close to not yeah, going over. Yeah, the price is right. Showcase showdown. Wow, $12.25, that's a lot. So, um, which wasn't where I was going, but I just looked when I looked at the price, I'm like, good gravy. So I had this, it's super fun. I mean, Mazdas are pretty much always fun to drive. I, I don't think you generally get behind the wheel and go, wow, this is boring. Like that just doesn't happen. And this one was no exception. It's a really fun little car to drive. It looks... It looks sleek. It looks sexy. Like, it has a nice look to it. It has that, like, Monster isn't technically a luxury brand, but they have that, like, aspirational luxury vibe where they look a little upscale, they look a little fancy, look a little different. So it's a sweet little car sitting in the driveway, and I had a good time driving it. Um, took it around town a good bit, took it downtown into Boston on my usual trip. Uh, there's this tunnel they're doing construction in, and at certain times, the tunnel is now closed. And every time I go through, the experience of driving through this tunnel is entirely different. One time, the walls are like ragged cement that looks like something that's going to cave on, in on you. The last time I went through, I had this, and it was like the road wasn't a road. I'm like, did you pull up everything and then just sprinkle it back on the pavement? It was the roughest <laughs> ride. I was like, what has happened here? It was awful. Like everyone's sprinkling slowing, of asphalt. Yeah, just a sprinkling of asphalt. Everyone's slowing down like, what the ever-loving heck? And I gotta say, it handled it really well because we kind all went into that tunnel at the normal speed and then got inside and did this like whoa baby what's going on so it handled really well in some truly terrible road surfaces in boston right now so i i enjoyed driving it and thought that's pretty good like it's definitely the kind of vehicle if you're going to go on a long trip whether that's road trip situation or maybe you have a long commute and you just want to be really comfy but you want to have something that's fun to drive i feel like the cx30 checks that box um I like it. I, I still don't like that there's not a touch screen. I can't get by it. I know, Sam. Touch screens aren't safe, Nicole. You should all be controlled some other way. I, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> Your eyes are saying it. So, yeah, no touch screen, <laughs> but, um, which I never like. But um, otherwise, you know, and it has the nice interior. It has all the things that make it feel, again, like that sort of aspirational luxury thing. There's leather trim seats and a power driver's seat and you have the, you know, their heated front seats, which it's 90 degrees, not using that today. And, you know, you've got the sunroof. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice car and it has that sort of luxury vibe. And again, you know, 36,000, it's not super cheap, but you're getting a little bit of a luxurious experience without truly having to go into that price point, which I think is kind of nice. And if you need, it's not a especially spacious, you know, crossover SUV. I don't know how they qualify this one, but it's, it's big crossover. Enough crossover so you know, you know the thing that robbie doesn't like the thing that robbie doesn't it's, like it's, just, it's not an especially high, spacious just thing really tall hatchback yeah, yeah. so <laughs> no, i tall agree hatchback so it, if you have real serious cargo needs probably not for you but the person who wants the because it has standard all-wheel drive now across the lineup so if you want all-wheel drive you want something that's a little more upscale you want something that's fun to drive and you you know need that little suv vibe but you don't really need to, you're not doing the mulch thing this is it's a great choice so i like it yeah, and I mean, I, I love Mazdas, you know, because, uh, you know, they have they have tried to make their vehicles more premium, mm -hmm. and they, they really feel premium, but the yes. prices haven't gone up dramatically. They're still priced pretty competitively with cars that feel, you know, like when you get, when you get in the Mazda, you've got soft touch surfaces. It feels mm -hmm. like a much more expensive vehicle than it, it is. It does. It does. I mean, cause for 36, when I think about how this looked, just the sleekness and sexiness of it on the outside, plus the interior, the comfort level, it's very, very comfortable. The trims, the accent stitching, like when you take it all together as a package and you really evaluate and just look at it, 
it looks like it should cost more than it does. It doesn't look like it's a vehicle that cost under $40,000. It really doesn't. You'd think it would be somewhere in the 40s. So I think they do a really good job of delivering that without having to make you break the bank. Like you want sort of want, I guess, luxury light maybe if you want that. Mazda can deliver that. And especially in the top terms of some of their like bigger SUVs and stuff, they're, ooh, they're beautiful. They're really, really stunning. I, I just wish you could get the turbo engine with a manual transmission. Well, oh, don't that, even get me started on that. That that, that, that would be, you know, that could be a modern take on the Mazda Speed 3. <sighs> it could, but it but it's but, not. Uh, so, no, just you know, they cleansing said, breath, uh, Roberto. You can't have it. No, no, no. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be quiet. And not a, a modern just, Mazda Speed 3 without the torque steer. Yeah. It would that would be amazing, Mazda. Um, so that was my that was my review vehicle. But I have one other vehicle to talk about. Can I talk about another one? Absolutely, talk okay. all you want. So I also drove the Nissan Rogue, and the reason I drove the Nissan Rogue was they wanted me to do a little road trip in this. So I live in southern New Hampshire, and they were doing a little event where they had you road tripping to um, Saranac Lake, which is like in the Lake Placid area in New York. And it was sort of like a lifestyle-y thing. So you could bring someone with you. And I brought my, my daughter, who's going to college in two days. I'm not crying. Oh. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, be fine. So we did this little road trip, and it was super fun because you don't often just get – it's often they sort of hand you a car and say, meet us here. Like, see you at dinner. <laughs> like, like, take the car and go. So we drove up, and it was – the thing that's different about it this year, it has a new um, a new engine. It's a 1.5-liter turbo, three-cylinder, 200 – 201 horsepower, 225 pound-feet of torque. It's their variable compression turbo. It says VC turbo if you look at their little lingo. Um, it's a really fun little car. And the thing is, we were taking it this S- – now, would you call this an SUV or crossover? SUV? The Rogue? Yeah. I'd say an SUV. SUV, okay. Small SUV. Small SUV. So you're, we were taking this SUV in, like from southern New Hampshire – through the mountains in Vermont into upstate New York. So it's pretty, like there was some steep terrain in there. Like you're doing some winding mountain roads and you could hear that the CVT a little bit. Like there's moments where it kind of drones, but it only was really when I was like really on a steep incline. Like you only really noticed it when you were doing things that you typically don't do because the roads get really twisty and steep, but surprisingly fun to drive because there's a lot of swinging back and forth on those roads, like twisty turnies. And we found a mountain we, we took a right instead of a left, and there was a mountain. We also got lost for 45 minutes, because I'm going to tell you, when you're selecting an item, like you know where you're going and you want to restart your nav, you know how it like resorts on your phone, like when you're using CarPlay? And like, well, Lake Flower was just Lake Flower for the name of the road, but then a Lake Fletcher had popped up when we stopped at a bookstore. And I glanced, and it must have shifted slightly, so I took us to Lake Fletcher, which is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> In oh, Vermont. fancy. Yeah, 45 minutes the wrong way. Um, I saw some great barns, a lot of cows, um, and it was when I was on this really, really, like, ratty dirt road. I'm like, this can't possibly be where I, Nissan wants me to be. Let me double check this. And but you got to do some dirt road driving. Huh? We did. We did some actual little, and I'm like, oh, and I get there, and they're like, we're going to gas up your car and tidy. I'm like, yes, yeah, sorry, I found a dirt road by accident. So it was like, it was white when we left, <laughs> not so much when we got there. Um, so we had a really nice drive, and it was funny. It proves such a nice, comfortable road trip vehicle. Like, they have the zero-gravity seats, too. Which I know again sounds whatever like, the hell that actually it means. sounds like marketing things, but it's like I looked it up and it's you know it's supposed to hold your body into the position to reduce the number of pressure points and mimic sort of the weightlessness, like the right posture for your spine and everything, so you don't get as tired. My four-ish hour drive was more like 
five and a half because I went the wrong way. And I didn't have any of that road weariness, honestly, that you get after you've been behind the wheel for a while. So I was pretty comfy. So I gave it high marks for its seats and for the new engine. Low marks to me for not knowing how to put an address into navigation <laughs> and taking myself into the middle of nowhere in Vermont. So that was those were my two uh, my two vehicles that I drove. Yeah, I, I had a chance to to drive uh, to spend a couple of hours with uh, with the uh, the updated uh, Rogue um, earlier in the spring mm-hmm. uh, when they were first announced the new engine, the one point five liter three cylinder turbo, and <clears throat> yeah, I mean the the rest of it is unchanged from right. from last year. Uh, but that, that engine is a huge improvement over the old 2.5 liter four cylinder. And the thing is, it's funny cause it's like, I can't remember the exact horsepower difference and it does jump up on horsepower, it's, but it's, it's only by a few. Right. So yeah. it's not like this gigantic leap in horsepower, but the engine itself is so much better. The turbo. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more torque. Yeah. There's, there's, there's only a little more horsepower, but there's a lot more torque and, yeah. and low end torque. It makes so it a feels big difference. Stronger. Yeah, yeah, it feels much stronger. Like I said, I was accelerating on some pretty, you know, when you get into the mountains anywhere, it's not like you're on steep terrain and you need something to get up because it's off road. It's just steep and cars struggle with it a lot of the time. And this didn't really struggle. It was, it, it held its own, which was pretty impressive. Cool. Um, well, we'll, we'll be talking more about dirt roads in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I had the Hyundai Elantra N. Um, which uh, is you know the the latest of the N series cars from the Korean brand. Uh, it's the same powertrain that is in that was in that was in the Veloster N uh, because the Veloster N has now been discontinued, sadly. Um, but uh, essentially, what you're getting with the Elantra N is a Veloster N with a slightly more, in some ways, slightly more practical package. Uh, you know, you got the latest uh, generation of Elantra styling, which you know is kind of Hyundai's you know current design language with the sort of faceted uh, you know creases, sharp creases in the bodywork. Um, looks, it's a sharp-looking car, especially with the all the end stuff on there, the front air dam, <clears throat> the front splitter uh, with the red accents. The one I had was in the the performance blue, which is the the signature color for the N brand for Hyundai. Uh, this is a, a 2.5 liter or 2 liter turbo four cylinder, 276 horsepower, uh, I think 255 foot pounds of torque. Uh, fantastic engine. I think you know th- this is it's basically the same engine that was in that Santa Cruz that that you drove, Robbie, but with tuned for a little more performance. And um, you can get the Elantra N with a six speed manual, just as you used to be able to in the in the Veloster. Um, I had the one with the eight-speed uh, dual-clutch transmission, which uh, when I talked previously about the Veloster N with that same setup, uh, when you put it you know, on, the, on the steering wheel, there's a button for to engage N mode, uh, you know, which is their, their performance mode. Um, and when, when you put it in N mode, it just transforms this thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to drive all the time, you know, whatever mode you're in. But really, when you put it in end mode, it transforms, especially the way the uh, the transmission behaves. Uh, because when you're um, you know when you're accelerating hard, you know it keeps it in, in gear, you know revs it up close to redline. Uh, when you're braking hard into a corner, uh, you will you'll he- feel it and hear it downshifting, doing exactly the kinds of things you would do if you were driving a manual transmission, um, you know quickly, uh, you know so. 
mat doing the rev matching and everything as it's downshifting. It sounds great. Obviously, you're not quite as engaged uh, because you're not, you know, manipulating the clutch and the shift lever and everything. But it it does the thing, you know. So it it's it it controls the transmission in the way that you would want to control it if you were doing it manually. So you're always in the right gear, so that you uh, you have the revs up, you've got the the boost up. Uh, so that as you're coming through the, coming past the apex of the corner, you can accelerate out. Uh, so it's it's great in that respect. Um, it's, this one, uh, as an end model, it has the uh, the lightened uh, sport bucket seats. So you've got extra uh, lump or uh, extra uh, side bolstering on this thing. It's a simplified seat. It doesn't have a whole lot of adjustments. In fact, there's very few adjustments. Moving the seat back and forth is completely manual. You got to reach down in front of you, grab the bar, slide it forward and back. You got to um, work for it. <laughs> the way God yeah. intended. Exactly. Uh, and you can recline the seat, and that's about it. Uh, I think the, I think there's a height adjustment on the driver's side, uh, and that's that's all you get. Uh, the passenger front passenger doesn't even get a height adjustment. Um, but you know, aside from that, oh, it's also got um, uh, an electronic limited slip differential. Uh, and this is a front-wheel drive car, uh, but it's got a limited slip differential in the front. So again, that helps with your with your cornering, putting the power where it needs to be. Um, uh, again, also with the end mode, you get a little more. Uh, there's a variable exhaust, uh, a variable valve system in the exhaust, so that it sounds considerably louder in end mode. Uh, it, you know, it's it's it sounds fun to drive, and it is a lot of fun to drive. And despite you know, being lowered and having, you know, low profile tires and, and big wheels and everything. Um, it's actually also surprisingly comfortable to drive even, you know, on roads that are less than ideal uh, as we have them here in Michigan. Uh, so you, you can you can have a, a great time with this thing, still use it, you know, very comfortably as a daily driver. The one thing that I was sad not to see in this car that was in the, the previous uh, two Veloster ends that I've driven, the manual and the DCT version, is the the same performance blue seat belts. Um, in the Velosters, they always had the seat belts that uh, in that that signature blue color they have for the end brand. Um, and this one just had plain old black seat belts. It did have the contrast stitching in that blue color, but I kind of miss the seat belts. It's kind of a just a fun little, nice little touch. If you have a performance like sub brand or trim level, you should have different colored seat belts beyond yeah. black. Seems reasonable Something. to me. I mean, when Fun you when colors, you, when you get cool. a Polestar engineered Volvo, they're you know they're bright yellow seat belts, and uh, I think on AMGs they have they're they're red. Uh, if I recall, um, I think they I think they're red. Uh, it's been a while since I drove one. Last one I think had red ones. Anyway, um, great great car. Um, as equipped with the uh, the DCT, um, the uh, Elantra N came to thirty five thousand one hundred and forty five dollars, including one thousand and ninety five dollar freight charge. Um, most stuff is standard equipment on here. Uh, I think the only options on here were the four hundred dollars for the the blue paint and uh, fifteen hundred dollars for the DCT. Uh, everything else is is standard on here. Um, and uh, one thing I I noticed. Uh, on this one, and actually going back, I've noticed on the last couple of Hyundais and Kias I've driven, uh, as well as on the, the car we'll talk about next, um, Sounds of Nature is gone. There's no more Sounds of Nature. Is it really? What? Yeah, they stopped putting it in there. Oh, uh-huh. You're kidding. In the other, 
Okay. We'll, we'll um, talk about it. I mean, I can understand one. it on the Elantra end because you want to hear that engine, you know, because it sounds so good. Uh, but on, on some of the other ones, like when I was driving the Tucson plug-in hybrid uh, a few weeks ago, it didn't have sounds of nature, which I think would have been really good when you're driving around in EV mode. But, Aw, this makes me sad. How I'm do I know like what it's like to sit on a, a sidewalk cafe? Yeah, well, I guess or, you'll, or to crunch I guess you'll just have snow. to drive the car to a sidewalk cafe and get out and sit there for a while. Ugh, I may have solved the mystery, work, though. Sam. Did you look under media? I didn't. That's where it's at now. Oh, so they just moved it. They just moved it. Because it used to be at the top level of the menu as you were swiping Like a whole thing, like a top level. Like that was yeah, most, one of them. right there, the more, Sounds of Nature. One of the more important things okay. of the vehicle was sound. Yeah, now it's in media because we. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm glad they didn't get rid of that. Okay. Yeah, because we used there it, we, for a minute. When we talk about the next vehicle, I'll tell. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's that's one of the things about. Did you know you could do this? I'm all, and we're just cranking it, listening. <laughs> all right. Well. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With that, why don't we move ahead to the next vehicle, something that all three of us drove this past yes, week. Yes, which doesn't uh, Two of you happen. were there at the same time, in fact. We were. Yeah, you really, you really blew it, Sam. You could have... <laughs> yeah, could you coordinate better? I mean, really. You could have done a podcast in the car while riding around. At the circle. same yeah. time, yeah. At the same time. Absolutely. In one place. Do, doing well, it while we're driving around on a dirt road for an hour and a half. A yeah. rugged off-road oh. trail that we were on. Not <laughs> yeah. dirt road, rugged right. off-road so, trail. So... The, the vehicle we are referring to is the, tw- the refreshed 2023 Hyundai Palisade, mm-hmm. which all three of us went to Asheville, North Carolina this past week to drive. Yes. What did you think? It's still a great vehicle. It's, yeah. I, 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 it's a great vehicle made better with like just some smart updates to tech and a few other things. Um, and then it also not let you leave your child or your animals in the car anymore without hassling you and people around the vehicle. And so I also like the updates on the outside. They changed the grill and oh, stuff yeah. in the I front like the of it. And I think it looks far, far better mm-hmm. outside than it did before, which was not as great. <laughs> and the, X, the XRT, I mean, yeah, it was not, didn't look nearly as nice as the Telluride. No. The, the, and the XRT, which is all black, like most of the time with the midnight black, whatever people want to call them, you're just like, eh. But this one looks really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> like the best it. looking one. Especially with the white body and then everything mm-hmm. else in black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite sharp. Um, it's fantastic. And it still has the uh, sounds of nature because we used it while we were driving through this crazy off-road uh, adventure. And when crazy. I say crazy, I mean eh, like just a really <laughs> long driveway. Um, That's the perfect but, description, a really yeah, long yeah. driveway. So Yeah, we listened to the waves and to a cafe, all the regular things that you definitely need to listen to while you're driving around. <laughs> we, we had, what, about 35 minutes or so from the hotel 
to uh, the Biltmore Estate. Yeah, which is beautiful. Um, which which is beautiful, and it's also uh, the home of a Jaguar Land Rover off-road driving facility, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, what we what we used. Except, you know, as good as the Palisade is, and it's a wonderful vehicle as a as a three-row family SUV. Um, it's not really an off-road vehicle. It's not, and the, I like that the idea that they wanted to take us like, hey, it can go off-road and. But I almost think at heart does it more harm than good, as they're kind of proving by our conversation. But, like, no one's really taking this off-road. And when you tell a bunch of journalists that you're going to take us off-road, it needs to be more than a really long dirt driveway. We're all kind of like, guys. Hey, there were a couple of mud puddles. But, like, really seriously, how many vehicles could you not have taken on this course? You can probably name them on one hand. Like a Miata. Yeah. <laughs> like BRZ. Yeah, I, you know, I except for like, you know, I think I could have taken my BRZ on. Yeah, <laughs> and there was like one little, there was one little downward turn and then pull back up that I think I would have had a little trouble with the BRZ, but I think I could have made it through. <laughs> See, that was the problem when they take you on something that it's just so easy to drive. I, I, the guy, and the guy was he, the spotter didn't help because he's like, okay, guys, uh, I'm hopping out of the car. I'm going to help you up here because we have a bump, and I'm like, where? Where did we drive? Oh, we did it. Like you like you passed him and I was still looking for it. I was yeah, like, I passed him on one spot because there was a hill. There was a hill that we had to be careful of. And I was just going up and he gave me frantic slow down as if I was going 85. And I'm like, was that the hill he was all worried about? Next thing in the walkway, they're like, click, click, everybody. Uh, we need to slow down here because we need to make sure we're paying attention. I'm like, dude, I could do this in a Camry. I think I'm good. I'm not like hooning up the hill here. And it just... Yeah, it was fine on the very long dirt driveway. And we spent, what, about an hour and 20 minutes or so on that trail? It was a while. Yeah, I would yeah. Have rather it was just 45 minutes it. each, I think. Yeah, so it was like yeah. An I would hour have and a half. rather just driven it, honestly, just give me some more road time in it. Like, I didn't need to do that. Just let me drive it on some roads and twisty, turny bits and highway, like, because that's how most people are going to use it. I mean, it did. If you're going to the KOA in the Palisade or to, like, a music festival in the you Palisade, will have no problem at all. It. The, You'll be able handle to park that situation it in the dirt, and it was still comfortable inside. Yes, it still, is. Yeah, everything. You know, it was just, but it was just okay. We, we also, you know, three miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> he was, and the Land Rover guy, the guy. I mean, he knew his stuff clearly, but he was very dramatic. It's like there is a bump, there is a hill. Be careful, and we're just looking like. Uh, we're all looking it. for the hump in a hill. You know what it is? It's like when you're using Waze and it's like, is there an accident? And you're looking and ready to push like there is or isn't. And you're like, was it Was it here? I, I guess I hit no because I don't see anything. Like you just have no idea. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of how that was. It's it's like, did you guys see the pig? We did. We saw um, one pigs. Of our, we saw we a puppy. We saw oh, a puppy. Yeah, we saw, we, saw the, we saw him too. He's a tiny yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. He kept, kept wa- we had we had we kept having to stop. Like every, everybody going back and had to stop because he kept walking out in front of the palisades. Oh. So people, Aww. you know, whoever was in the passenger seat would jump out and kind of guide him back over towards the house so that that, that truck could go by, and then they'd get in, and then they'd, they'd run back out in front of the next one. <laughs> That's funny. But he was very cute. Aww. And. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, a couple of people saw um, saw a bear, although that was on the afternoon uh, drive after lunch going up to Mount Mitchell. They saw a black bear. Ooh. I didn't see the bear. They People showed pictures of them seeing the bear. Yeah. But, uh... Jill, Jill Simonillo was driving with uh, Gary Witzenberg. Uh, they got a picture of the bear, and uh, somebody else saw the bear as well. I can't remember who now. Um, 
But uh, that w- that was that was after we got away from the off road part. That was when we were on a a, re- a regular paved road. Very nice road, by the way. As well, yeah. yeah we um, my my partner and I drove the uh, Hyundai Ionic Five up the mountain, and uh, that was that was an excellent vehicle for that drive. We our drive up the mountain. It was our day. It was uh, cloudy on the mountain. Did you even go all the way to the top of the mountain? Roberto? We we did. Uh, it was no. a, it was overcast up there, and we actually had some rain on the way down. There was there was rain coming through and some thunderstorms. Ours was we super had, misty. Like you couldn't see we, anything two feet in. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> see anything. We took the venue up, and so we got most of the way, and then we just turned around. We're like, eh, we've yeah. already driven the venue. Wasn't that you know? And then I we went back, and then I got the palisade, and I drove that. Around. I took that out for an hour, and I hit crazy rain. As like, uh, <laughs> it was just, crazy first rain. it was like it was raining a lot, wow. and it was raining like just huge giant drops. And I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's a lot of rain, whatever. You know, it's, it's not something I'm used to because California. But then at one point, all of a sudden, it just felt <laughs> like for a good minute, the rain dropped so quickly and so hard that you just couldn't see. It was just like white. It was like blizzard whiteout conditions of rain. <laughs> For like a minute, and uh, and and I had um, their their uh, their driver's assistance uh, feature on, and I couldn't say anything, but the car knew to slow down. It realized the vehicle in front of us was slow. All I saw were little, like just faint red lights pop on when someone put their brakes on, and so yeah, so their 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 camera system and so radar it did system it works. And the, Go yeah, technology. The, the radar. Yeah, probably not the camera. The radar system. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the camera is completely worthless at this. Yeah, the the camera system is completely worthless. Yeah. Um, at that point, so um, no, it was yeah, so yeah, so I I I had a because that twenty minutes, which or forty minutes to the place, which meant I got it for twenty minutes, and then forty five minutes of off roading, sixty five minutes, and you know three quarters of it is driving under five miles an hour wasn't enough for my article, so I went back and said, hey, I need to drive this car some more, and they said, oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see what else uh, came up this week. Oh, um, so. Speaking of EVs uh, for a moment, um, Electrify America announced a deal with IKEA this week. And they're going to be putting in uh, a bunch of Electrify America fast chargers, which um, hopefully will work. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Uh, At IKEA uh, locations uh, in 18 states across the U.S. They're putting in about 200 chargers for the public to use and a similar number for IKEA to use for their delivery vehicles because they're getting Ford e-transits. Um, and uh, so they're going to, the first batch of those will be installed by the end of this year and all of them will be installed by the end of next year. Um, so now, you know, you can drive your, Ike- drive your EV to Ikea and, you know, maybe possibly be able to charge it up while you're getting lost inside that massive store. I mean, I was thinking about it. You would have enough time to fully charge your vehicle because how long does it take to average get through an Ikea? I mean, you spend a, you get there when they open after lunchtime with your, once you've had your Swedish meatballs, you finally mm-hmm. leave. So, and, and your you cinnamon could, rolls. Don't forget your cinnamon and rolls. And your cinnamon rolls. Can't forget those. So by the time you do all that, you can fully charge your vehicle out there. Well, you, you're going to – I mean, that's the crazy thing is that even the slowest vehicles will charge in like 40 minutes. And it takes a good three or four days to get through an Ikea. And what's yeah. really nice is that after you've had a big <laughs> argument with your with your significant other, to come back to a fully charged vehicle, right? Because that's what IKEA does. It breaks down. <laughs> it breaks down. You know, breaks down relationships. relationships. <laughs> yeah, it's like it breaks relationships. Been, after you after you've been meandering through those curvy aisles, you know, trying to trying to figure out, you know, trying to find the thing you're looking for, you know, and you finally just plop yourself down in a sofa 
or on one of their one of the beds and say, "I give up." Yeah. Like, forget it. I'm just gonna sit here and eat my meatballs and cinnamon rolls, and I give up with everything. I'm done. Yeah. I done. think it works best. I, what's nice is that you can go in if you're if, and get food in the time it takes to charge. So that's really. I mean, I think going to shop at IKEA and then charging IKEA is you're going to end up with a huge uh, bill for just sitting there. You're going to be that person who just leaves a car. <laughs> it's going to be fully station. charged, but your car sat there for an extra eight hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think the going in and and or if you're the person like sometimes I'll go to IKEA and know exactly what I want. I'll just head straight. To, they have like a little shortcut. So you can just go straight to the warehouse and just grab the thing you need and get the hell out. Like, I, that's me. Like, I'm just in. Get I'm out. I'm on with out. my life. I'm on the Internet. I'm like, I'm shopping here. I don't want to get lost. I don't want to, you know. They don't give you the little paper uh, measuring tape anymore at IKEA, I've noticed. Oh, really? I, I haven't been in one in, in a while. I feel like ours still had them. Maybe. Oh, maybe they just ran out. Huh. Huh. Probably a supply oh, chain well. problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything's the- – <laughs> They're, put, they're putting in 225 chargers at uh, 25 uh, IKEA stores across the U.S. So that means it's going to be about, you know, almost, you know, somewhere between 8 and 10 per store, which is pretty good. So um, chances are if you get there, there will there's a pretty decent chance there will be one available. Um, whether there will be a working EA charger available is an entirely different situation. Different question altogether. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know. They need to start putting them at Trader Joe's. That's another place I think would do yeah. that. With but you could spend hours at Trader Joe's? Nah, you're not that in Trader Joe's that long. <laughs> it's, well, you're not, you're not in Trader Joe's. You're in line for Trader Joe's. Yes. Yeah, right. The checkout line, yeah. Checkout line. There's, they're always like, like, you know, the whole store is slightly askew, and then the checkout line. So now you're just... <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, let's, let's stay with EVs. Uh, and this is... A store, something that Nicole found. Um, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Are we going to talk about the, the Cadillac situation? We're going to talk about the situation with Cadillac, yes. Okay, so Cadillac, and somebody had shared this with me, another colleague, like first thing this morning, and then I looked at him, my first thought was, is this a joke? Like, I actually didn't believe it. And this is from a report at Automotive News that Cadillac has trademarked the following names for future EV models. These all end in IQ. It's optic, symbolic, ascendic, lumistic, and vistic, I guess, is how you'd say all those, given their naming convention. But also, these are the ones that got me. The Escalade and Escalade ESV become the Escalade IQ and Escalade IQL. Okay, fine, whatever. We're going with this whole IQ thing. But if you're pronouncing that as ick on the end, ascendic, lumistic, vistic, then didn't Lyric. you just... Didn't you, Lyric, didn't you just create then the Escalade Ick? Yep. Okay. Escalade Ick. Apparently, apparently no one at Escalade Market or Cadillac Marketing actually said these names out loud. They wrote them down, uh, wrote them on a whiteboard and said, yeah, okay, that looks good. Yeah. I like that. And, and but nobody the, bothered to say it out loud. And then your long wheel based is the Escalade Ick L? I mean, what? What were they? Why? Because I know it's supposed to be IQ, but you don't pronounce the Q like a Q in any of these other fancy pants names as they're doing all this. And granted, these are just trademarks, so who knows which of these would happen, right? But you've already said it's lyric. You've already said it's celestic. So if you do the ick is how you pronounce that ending, it's going to be the Escalade ick. And and even if you say, I mean, some people have said, you know, celestic is celestique, you know, then it's Escalade eek. Which right? isn't really any better. Is that Escalade? Eek! I, yeah, that's no better. I th- it's scary. 
what? I don't, I don't think that, you know, no, Cadillac, don't do that. You've only <clears throat> trademarked this. You have time to change your mind. Don't do this. Yeah. I just so no one else will steal those, those awesome names from them. I know those awesome, <laughs> right? Because I'm sure the the ascendant file the trademark. If you don't take care of your, if you know, if you don't defend your IP, then anyone can do whatever they want with it. That's true. You gotta defend your IP. I I just I can't with this. The Escalade ick. I mean, the Escalade V series, the Escalade V. I called the Escalative, and I thought that was fun. And that's like sounds like something fancy, right? But the Escalade ick does not sound like something fancy. It sounds like what about Escalative? Escalotic? Escalotic? Escalotic is a little better, but again, they call it an Escalade. I'm, <laughs> I'm, using, the, Escalade. I'm using the name from yeah. that old SNL skit about the Escalade that gets stuck in the snow in Atlanta. That's why I call it the Escalade. But anyway, yeah, the, the, the Escalade Ick. 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 Ick, Cadillac. No. <laughs> so basically, that's my thought on this naming. Do you guys like this idea? The the rest of the names I, I don't have an issue with. You know, okay. obviously the spelling is you know weird so that they can actually right. um actually trademark it. Um you know, and, and they're all they're they're fine. Um <laughs> you know, fine. I mean, when you know, when Steve Carlisle, the former uh president of Cadillac uh a couple of years ago told us that yeah, you know, we're we're ditching the C T and the X T names uh, branding and we're going back to, to names, you know, mm-hmm. it's like everybody was all excited. Yes. Great, finally, it's about time. Yeah, and yeah, you know, then you know, like I said, the, the rest of these are I have no issue with, but yeah, the the Escalade, ick, Escalade IQ, uh, you know, either either one is it, it's I it's either unappealing or clumsy. You know, yeah, if you if you insist great. on saying Escalade IQ. You know, that's that's not any better either. That's not exactly it doesn't roll off the tongue. Like, leave it alone. Yeah. It's an escalade. Just and the funny thing is it's like it's not like it's a brand like people who don't know the first thing about Cadillac, you probably you very likely know what an escalade is anyway. Mm-hmm. You're not a you're not even really a car person. You probably know what an escalade is because it's like the baller big SUV that movie stars and soccer players and you're like everybody Everybody that's big and bulk, you <clears throat> want to sh- buy an escalade to show that you've arrived, but I don't want an escalade ick. Just an Escalade. They can just do what Kona did, the Hyundai did with the Kona, and just be like the Escalade EV or the Escalade Electric. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I'd Done. be fine you, with you, that. Escalade it EV. It stays on Escalade brand. Electric. The brand. The brand doesn't get sullied with like too many names. It's just like yeah. this is a trim level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then eventually it'll just be the Escalade because it'll be an EV. It'll all mm-hmm. be EVs, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't overthink it, people. Yeah, I feel like they did too much. I'm like, stop marketing. Somebody, somebody, rein those guys in. All right. Well, as as more and more EVs come out, you know, we were kind of hoping that EVs would start to get cheaper, but unfortunately, at least for now, they're actually getting more expensive because the price of the materials that go into EV batteries has gone up through the roof in the past year. Um, back in June, uh, GM announced that prices on the Hummer were going up by about sixty two hundred dollars, and I think prices on some of the some of the other models. I think the for for the twenty four model year. Because um, they've already sold out the 23 model year uh, lyrics, but for 24, I think those prices are going to be going up. Uh, and now, this couple of days ago, uh, Ford announced that just as they were reopening the order books to start to let people start ordering 2023 model year F-150 Lightnings. Yeah, that $40,000 Lightning Pro, eh, bomb. not anymore. It's now $47,000. So the yeah the prices are going up. Um, 
anywhere between six and seven thousand dollars, depending on the trim level. Uh, the the extended range platinum is now ninety six thousand eight hundred and seventy four dollars, um, and the pro is the cheapest one at forty six thousand nine hundred and seventy four dollars. All before the seventeen hundred dollar delivery charge. Yikes. Yeah, I think we were all looking at like price parity, like coming down the road in a few years before you know COVID, and then that just got thrown into the wood chipper and then tossed all over the uh, gone, just tossed gone, all over the gone, landscape. Gone, 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 gone. Just gone. Yeah. I, I mean, we still got the cheaper bolt. The bolt got cheaper. That's true. Know, the Chevy bolt got cheaper. I think yeah, the Kona got a little bit cheaper, like by a scooch. Um, what else? Yeah, that's probably it. The VW ID4 we talked about last week. Oh, uh, yeah, the ID4. A, a cheaper a less, um, uh, uh, base model. That, yeah, uh, less expensive ID4. Yeah. So, so there's a the, few things that are cheaper, but yeah, for the most part. Stuff people really want has apparently gotten. All the new more. stuff is going to get is, is getting more expensive because mm-hmm. they're all new and fancy. And they're like, yeah, we can make it for this much. And then everything happened. They're like, oh, no. We told everyone we could make it for this much, and we can't. Uh, we got to stay in business. Well, at least the uh, right. at least the standard range that that Lightning Pro, you know, for that extra seven thousand dollars, you do get an extra ten miles of range this year. It's gone up from two hundred thirty to two hundred forty miles. So hey, that. there you go, seven hundred dollars per mile. It's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah, it's a bargain. <laughs> it's a bargain. Over the life, over the lifespan of your vehicle, you're going to be like, yeah, I get my $700 mile here. All right. Um, last item of news for the week. Uh, Ralph Nader's back in the news. Uh, he's been relatively quiet of late. Uh, the, uh, the, the guy who uh, basically killed the, uh, the Corvair back in the 1960s with his book Unsafe at Any Speed and has been a consistent advocate for um, automotive safety for more than 50 years um, is now has now set his sights on Tesla um, and he has uh, uh, issued a statement this this past week um, calling on uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to recall uh, Tesla's full self-driving software and autopilot software uh, saying no one is above the laws of manslaughter um, and you know, this this comes uh, you know in the, in the last week or so. Um, somebody else uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, but he's the uh, the CEO and founder of uh, Green Hills Software, I think. Yeah, Green Hills Software, uh, which is a company that makes um, uh, operating systems for uh, you know safety critical systems. So they do real time operating software for for safety critical systems and. You know the the folks at Green Hills have always been really focused on safety and security uh, in their software. And Green Hills software is used in a lot of automotive applications uh, as the operating system for safety critical stuff. Uh, they put out a video um, showing a uh, Model Three. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it's a Model Three um, doing a uh, uh, what should have been a an automatic emergency braking demo uh, along with with another car. Um, and running towards a child-sized uh, mannequin and not stopping and running right over the mannequin. Uh, similarly, you know, since last fall, um, Luminar, the LiDAR company, has been doing a similar demo uh, showing off you know, what they can do with their LiDAR 
when used in a driver assistance application like that. And they, they started doing these demos uh, last September at IAA in uh, Munich. And they did it at CES earlier this year, and they've done it in some other places. Uh, having uh, a, a Lexus RX with Luminar LiDAR on it and uh, a Tesla, I think a Model X uh, is what Luminar was using, uh, going the same speed down down the, the, the road uh, towards a pair of child-sized mannequins. Uh, the Luminar vehicle always detects the mannequin, stops in time, and the Tesla always runs it over. And... Um, so some of the, the Tesla fanboy community this week gotten rather upset at that. Uh, and they, there was, uh, one guy on Twitter, uh, who's, uh, uh, his Twitter user handle is whole Mars blog. Uh, but it's actually a guy who had previously gotten permanently banned from Twitter. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, but for some reason they've opted not to ban him again, even though he got his back on Twitter. Uh, he, he put out a call on Twitter asking for volunteers. You know, he said, I don't have any kids, but if you want to let your kids, um, you know, um, participate in this test, I will prove that the Tesla will stop before it hits the kids. And if not, and if it's not going to stop, I will intervene and stop the vehicle. It's like, <laughs> we're going to put what? your kid at risk. Your kid uh... in here. Hey, can I borrow your child so I can maybe hit it with a car? Yeah, but I won't, but you know, and you know some other Tesla fans have been setting up their own versions of this, uh, of this test. You know, creating their own, uh, you know, pedestrian mannequins, uh, child-sized pedestrian mannequins, and they also have been running into the same problem that Luminar and and the Green Hills folks had, where, you know, the car is not detecting child-sized mannequins, and the problem, the reason why this is happening, is because Tesla doesn't use radar or lidar. They don't use an active sensor that can actually measure the distance. They're using, because they only use the cameras, they, they have to use um, inference in the software to estimate how far an object is away. And what they're doing is they, they classify um, you know, what the object is, you know, if it's a vehicle or if it's, um, if it's a pedestrian. And then based on basically count, looking at how many pixels it takes up, they estimate... You know, what is the size of this object? Uh, and then from that, work back and figure out, okay, this is... So they're, they, they're, they're assuming, you know, that a pedestrian is, you know, some height, you know, let's say, you know, five foot seven average. Uh, and based on how many pixels it takes up in the image, they're work back from that to figure out, okay, this is how far away it must be. And that's an extremely inaccurate approach. And I wrote a white paper last year on uh, for uh, for my my day job on me- on measure doing accurate distance measurement for driver assistance and automated driving systems and as an example i used in there you know if you're using that kind of approach which is what vision only systems use is you know i put pictures rear pictures of a ford transit and a ford transit connect and you know the system is generally not going to be able to distinguish between those two. It doesn't know which one it is or, you know, any other vehicle because it's not really designed to be that precise. But, you know, those two vehicles are very different in size. And if you're using that approach to, to estimate how far away something is, it's going to think that that Ford Transit Connect because it's about only about, you know, 75% as tall as the, the, the full-size Transit is going to be significantly farther away. 
and it's not going to break in time. It's it's going to run into it. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm all in favor of NHTSA, you know, coming out and doing something, you know, to stop Tesla from testing beta safety critical software. I don't think anybody should be testing beta versions of safety critical software with untrained customer drivers. Especially ones you want to just run down children. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to stop. We're going to stop. I, I, it's, it's, it, it's funny because they're, they're like, oh, it works just as well. I mean, there's <clears> a whole <throat> thing in, in film called uh, Force Perspective. Mm-hmm. And they use, a, they use it a lot when they don't want to do any, like, uh, especially back in the day before they had, like, strong enough cute computers to, to, uh, to, to make people bigger than they are and smaller than they are. That's what they did are. in the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they use Force Perspective. And it's because the depth of field in a camera isn't it's you don't have you know it's not stereoscopic it's not like your eyes where you have you, know, you can figure out how far something close is and you also have to use your brain and how how life has always worked and how you figure out how things that are smaller doesn't mean that person you know a hundred yards away is a teeny tiny ant they're just farther away <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's yeah it's 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 this 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 sort of visual trick that they use in in movies because it's you know it's a camera and it's not your your eyes and your brain working in conjunction to determine what something is and how far away it is. And unfortunately, Tesla is using that same approach in reverse to try to estimate how far away something is, and it's just it's a fundamentally wrong approach for a safety system. Yeah, it's really weird because they were when they when they talked about their computer system a couple of years ago, one of their their um, investor days. They just kept saying redundancy, redundancy, how important redundancy is. And yet, when it comes to their sensors, they're like, ah, we got one. But you can't, just, you, can't, you can't use the rallying cry of redundancy, which is incredibly important for any sort of system, um, whether it's just driver's assistance or, you know, full level t- threes, level four. Um, you know, you got to have multiple things making sure everything is working correctly. You can't, you can't run around with that bander and then be like, except for that one thing that looks at the road. <laughs> Redundancy yeah, for, for everything, thing. except for that thing, because we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. It's cool. <laughs> uh, all right. Enough uh, complaining about Tesla. Um, let's answer some listener questions. Uh, we've got a bunch of them this week. Um, so the first two um, that I want to address are related to plug-in hybrids, and they're not in the right order here on the list. Um, so let's start off with, um, uh, with the question from, uh, uh, Michael H, uh, it says, hi, wheel bearings cast. Haven't heard much about PHEVs on the show. I'm contemplating about getting a brand new Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV older style, but with a good price, uh, or wait until they release the new style, bigger battery, but more expensive. Thanks. Love the show. So we actually do talk a fair bit about plug-in hybrids. I mean, we've, we've reviewed a lot of them, you know, just, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks ago I had, or a few weeks ago I had the, uh, the Tucson Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid. We've, we've driven a bunch of other ones. Uh, and of course, Nicole, you and you and your husband own one, you've got yep. a Wrangler four by E. Um, so what, uh, what do you think, you know, should Richard or should Michael, um, get the old Outlander PHEV? The plug-in hybrid, or wait until the new one arrives later this fall. I mean, if you oh. don't care about the the latest and greatest situation, then I don't see why not. I don't think there's going to be some drastic leap forward in terms of what the battery offers. I don't know. Do you think so, Sam? 
Um, it will have significantly more range than the old one. So it'll have like what's significantly more for a plug-in? It's not like they have hundreds of miles I, of range. To I, begin I with, think right? it'll be in the in the mid thirties uh, what miles. And what is it right I now? Think the current one I think is about twenty. Um, I'll have, that's pretty. I'll, that's a. So that would be the difference. So if that difference, if going from like twenty-ish. I know I can see Sam was looking this up as I'm talking. Going from whatever it is now to that 30, if that much of a range difference makes a difference to you, like as a rule, then wait. But you are going to pay a good chunk more if you wait to get the brand new one. I, I don't, it's I don't 20, know. It's 24 miles for the car. So if it's one. 24 and it goes from so that's I mean, so it's a chunk. So how much is it extra? I mean, if, you, if you're going to be getting around town and getting through most of the, what you do with that smaller range, then I wouldn't worry about it that much. You know. I, but if you, if you want that extra range, I think I'd wait. I think they. I think maybe wait, just because. Maybe fingers crossed, prices will go down, just significantly <laughs> across the board. I, I know. I know. It's, it's I like, like if you don't. If you don't need a car right now, if you don't absolutely positively need, don't buy a car right now. It's it's sort of like my is now my new thing because, yeah. I think everyone's like oh eighteen months a year. Hopefully you know by the mid of middle of next year you know it'll be uh vehicles will come back down to earth or at least a bit come back you know come back down they'll start to lose some of their insane value valuations so i yeah i i i am i am of the firm believer of just unless you absolutely positively need a vehicle right now wait just it doesn't i I don't care if you're getting to use one the the new one there'll probably be used ones you know in you know in the middle of next year there'll be a new one in the middle of next year and hopefully both of them will be far less expensive than if you bought them you know right now or in the fall one one other thing i would add to all that is you know the old outlander plug-in is um the operative word there is old (laughs) that is that is an old generation of outlander yeah yeah it's it's about and it first came out uh, in that form, I think about 2009 or 10, somewhere around there. Um, and it wasn't particularly state of the art then. Um, so, what you might want to do, just you know, uh, for you know, to see the base vehicle itself, regardless of you know whether it's the plug-in hybrid or not, is you know, go to a Mitsubishi dealer, check out the new Outlander. You know, I mean, you, they don't, they're not selling the plug-in hybrid version yet until later this fall. But just check out the base gasoline Highlander or Outlander and compare that against that, the older model Outlander plug-in and see how you like just the ve- the base vehicle regardless of the powertrain. Uh, because the new one is way nicer than the old one. Uh, there's a lot that's better about it. Uh, and so I, I would definitely do that. And then, you know, kind of decide, okay, do I want to spend the extra for the plug-in hybrid version of this new Outlander, or am I, am I satisfied with the old Outlander? And if you are satisfied with the old Outlander, if it's good enough to meet your needs, then go, you know, you know if you can hold off, you know, I mean, if you can get a good deal on that old Outlander right now, you might want to go for it. But, you know, otherwise you might want to wait uh, if you can, depending on, on what your current transportation needs are. But it sounds like you don't desperately need one right now if you're even considering the new one. So, um, you know, at least go and, and, you know, take a test drive in the the gas Outlander and compare it to the the old plug-in hybrid. All right. Um, Sticking with PHEVs, uh, UMass Car on Twitter asks, can all PHEV uh, vehicles drive at highway speed without the engine on? Um, 
think among current ones, some of, some of the earlier ones, like the the original Toyota Prius plug-in, uh, could not. It did not have enough electrical power to do that. But I think of the currently available plug-in hybrids, yeah, pretty much all of them can drive. You know, at 70, 75, 80 miles an hour just on electricity. Obviously, they're not going to get that full range. You know, so like if you're driving a Rav Four Prime, you're not going to get forty miles of highway driving. Uh, on a charge like you can in more urban suburban driving because uh, you know as your speed goes up you get a lot more aerodynamic drag and everything and you know a lot more load so you know it's probably it's going to cut the range to probably somewhere in the high 20s uh if you're driving you know 70 75 uh but you know that's that's still good you know you so and the, the other thing too if you aggress if you're accelerating really aggressively onto the highway in electric mode sometimes they'll kick to the gas engine or you're going to like, boom, you have no EV range left because you've just blown through it because you're mashing the gas pedal. So yeah, there's that too. So how far can your Wrangler go at highway speeds on electricity? God, I don't know that I've, I've tagged out specifically highway versus um, city driving, but it gets, gosh, I'm drawing a blank now, but it gets just when we've done the range, whatever the specified range is. We 21, I think. So we normally get a couple miles more than what they say, like almost all the time. If it's 21, we're getting a few miles because my husband drives it more than I do, honestly, and he really pays attention to that. He's always coming in slightly higher and he does a mix of highway and city driving typically. So we always get a little bit more range than what it says. Um, and that's, you know, partly driving around town, partly getting on the highway and him uh, going to work sometimes. So always a little bit higher than what they've specified. Unless you're super, super aggressive and you're driving an EV yeah. mode. <laughs> yeah. Then it's just like being super aggressive driving with a gas engine. You know, your yep. fuel economy suffers. All right. Um, Rick Thwiat, I think is hopefully that's how you pronounce it. If not, I'm sorry, Rick, uh, <laughs> asks... Uh, with the success of the Maverick, how soon will it be before other automakers develop a competitor? Uh, well, I think we kind of addressed that one earlier. Uh, there's already a competitor, which launched at almost Santa the same Cruz. time, uh, this, the Hyundai Santa Cruz. But I'm, I'm sure that within the next couple of years, we will see competitors from other manufacturers as well. We, we'll, probably yeah. see, we'll probably see something from GM. Uh, there's been rumors for a long time that uh, Stellantis was going to do a small Ram pickup um, based on, you know, something uh, from the Fiat lineup in Europe. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll probably see additional ones. But, I mean, you do have the, the Santa Cruz now. Um, Coach Cabrera asks, how will the new EV incentives affect the prices of new and used EVs? Is this a death sentence for luxury startups <laughs> like Lucid and Rivia? Rivian? I don't think oh. it's a death sentence for luxury because people buying luxury cars, if you're buying a car that was that much to begin with, at $7,500, you're like, eh, cool. Like, yeah. It's not like, oh, no, now we're not buying a vehicle. 7500 is not making a difference. If, if you can afford a hundred to $150,000 vehicle, yeah. right. you're probably not that concerned about it. Yeah, it's not. It, 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 Lucid and Rivian, their, their real concerns are, are supply chain issues. That's, that's, what's, that's what's messing with those two companies. It's... The, the I mean, if you could have gotten the uh, EV incentive, cool. But if you didn't, the people who are buying those are rich. <laughs> and yeah. I, and, and <laughs> I wonder, though, how much it'll even impact. Like, I feel like it could impact people who are more average income folks because that could make a difference. And suddenly, and I also almost feel bad for the OEMs because they priced all their vehicles, right? They figure mm -hmm. all this out based on assuming that we're going to have this EV credit for 
likely X number of years or months or yeah. whatever, you know, because they've done all their f- sales forecasting and their budgeting and figured it all out. And it's like, oh, guess what? We, we made a new law and now none of the vehicles that qualify when you figured all that out qualify just like that. Boom. Um, so you got I this one could, guy to vote for it and he changed a lot of stuff and he messed yeah. a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, crud. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's So I think it could negatively impact some of the other OEMs, but Honestly, I think for a lot of people, if you're really determined to go for an EV, I don't know how much that tax credit would genuinely sway you. I don't know how yeah. much it would impact. It'll be, I'll be curious to see if like, the numbers overall go when that. A lot of people still buy Teslas, and they haven't had a tax exactly. credit in a bazillion exactly. years. And there's yeah. still state credits. You know, There's still mm-hmm. state and local credits that people can get regardless of what the federal government is doing, True. which is sort of weird. After last week, or was it last week or week? I don't know when we were like, oh, it's not that complicated. And then I'm like, oh god, it's, it's so. I've, I've, I've spent so, more time in the last so in the last week reading because, through that bill. Because and, they, at yeah. first you're like, this is what you're getting. You're like, all right. And then they're like all the amendments, and then you go through the bill, and you're like, oh my god. It's oh, yeah, exactly. Why See, did I'm he, from the government. I'm here to help. No, don't help oh, us. We're good. You're from, you're from where is he from? West Virginia. I'm from West Virginia. Uh, yeah, I don't even I'm know. here to coal country. Coal country. Let's all listen, um, let's all play some Loretta Lynn and just forget everything happened. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, one a couple of things that are happening. I think last week we did talk about what Fisker had announced just before we recorded, which was if you uh, lock in your um, your order, turn, convert your reservation into a firm purchase order, that you would still be eligible. And you know, afterwards, after the show, um, I had a chance to sit down and look through more of the bill and I did find you know what's known as the transition rule uh, so up until the, the time that President Biden signs the uh, the law and signs the bill into law it's now been yesterday the uh, House of Representatives passed it so probably sometime in the next week or so it will get signed into law but until that time um, you know for any company any automaker that still has eligibility for incentives uh, which is all of them except for Tesla and GM right now. If you have a reservation in, and Rivian, Lucid, others, uh, I think Volkswagen also put out announcements in the last couple of days that you can, uh, you know, you can utilize this the same transition rule. Uh, so if you uh, if you go and you convert your reservation that you have to a firm purchase order, then um, up until the time the the new law is enacted that will still be eligible. So you will still be able to claim that $7,500 next year um, on your uh, on your taxes. And that also applies to Toyota. Uh, even though they're not currently selling the BZ4X, you can get it on the, uh, the RAV4 Prime or the Prius Prime. Um, they're both eligible for the $7,500. Um, so if you order one and you, know, you have a non-binding or a non-re- non-refundable deposit, you can still get your money. Yeah, oh, still get good. your seventy five hundred bucks. That's something. If you're looking for yeah. a Honey Motor Group, you better do it now because they're not going to have their their factory open for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that factory is not going to be till twenty twenty five probably. Um, and and as far as the prices on the EVs, it's probably not going to at least in the near term. It's probably not going to have much of an impact one way or the other because in the as we talked about in the near term, they've got upward price pressure because of the just the price of the raw materials. But um, longer term, you know, because until until they get to a point where they're uh, 
where they've um, got domestic production of the materials and so on so that they're eligible for the full credit, um, there's going to be price pressure. There's going to be pressure on them to keep the prices down. They're, you know, they're not going to raise the prices because they know most consumers, most of these vehicles are not going to be eligible for credits. So they're going to have to, you know, try to cap the prices, raise them as much as they can to cover their costs, but, but not raise them any more than that. Um, just because people won't be able to afford them anyway. So, yeah. so either you have to hurry up or wait. Yes. That's, yeah, that's one way when it comes other. to but if you're buying this EV, week, either, yeah, buy it this week or wait. Like if you don't need a new car again, if you don't need a car, this is the worst time to buy a car. Just yeah. hold. <laughs> hold. Everyone hold on. I got two more years on my lease for the code. I'm like, okay, in two years, hopefully things will sort of like shake themselves out. Fingers um, crossed. And, and <laughs> another question we had related to uh, the, the new tax credits is from Jim Manhart. Um, you know, one of his question is, if you're able to transfer the credit to the car dealer, will you be skirting the income limits under the new EV tax credit law? Um, and this is something we don't know yet. This, um, there's a lot of details that are missing from the law that will require um, the IRS, uh, the, the Treasury Department, to actually issue some specific rules about how all of this is going to work. This is one of those things, um, you know, because you you now have the option to either um, save the credit and claim it on your next year's tax return, or when you buy the vehicle, you could transfer the credit to the dealer, assuming the the dealer still has to register first with the IRS to be able to do this. If the dealer decides to register with the IRS, then they uh, they can you can transfer the credit to the dealer. The dealer has to give you an immediate discount at the time of purchase, so you lower your monthly payment on the vehicle, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the dealer gets the money back from the IRS. Um, exactly how, because of the law also uh, puts lim- income limits on people buying EVs and getting credits. Like it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an individual filer, three hundred thousand for a, a couple. Uh, filing jointly, um, you know, if you make $175,000 as an individual filer, you're not eligible for any, any of these tax credits. Right. Um, and how is that going to work with the transfer? We don't know yet. Probably going to be something like, you know, based on your previous year's income, you know, to, to initially, um, do the transfer. And then next year when you file your taxes, if your income was over the threshold, then you'll probably have to pay it back to the IRS. So, uh, that's, it's probably going to be something like that. It's going to be something complicated. No, it's so simple. Everything is clear cut and easy to understand. If, I mean, if you're, if you're at no risk of exceeding that 150 or $300,000, uh, limit, then it's, it, it will actually probably be a lot easier to just sign the paper to transfer it. But if you're close, if you're near that threshold, you might want to consider, um, you know, just doing it, you know, not doing the transfer and, and doing it yourself, unless, you know, you're going to put a, put aside the money just in case you go over the threshold for the following year. Uh, let's see. Richard Head asked, uh, you guys talked about the power window switch on the ID4 last week. Um, they aren't the first to be cheap. Reminds me of my Dodge <laughs> SRT4. Uh, they saved a few bucks by making the rear windows <laughs> manual. Uh, and I, I, I'm assuming that he's talking about the Neon SRT4, which did, in fact, have manual crank windows on the back doors, uh, even with power windows on the front. Um, I can't remember. It, it's been – I haven't – it's been like 
12, 13 years since I drove the Caliber SRT4, which was the last one that they did like that. I don't think that had manual crank rear windows, but the, the Neon definitely did. God, I hated the Neon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we had a Neon, and it was just a piece of trash. It leaked. <laughs> it was just a piece of trash. That car was just trash. The first generation or the second gen Neon? Uh, I think it was the first gen. Okay. It was cute looking, though. Yeah, it looked really cute, and so we actually got it from it was uh, cheap. my sister-in-law, and it was inexpensive, and it was cute, but it was, oh, there was a reason why it was inexpensive. It was still cute. <laughs> I wish they had just done a better job at building it. If they had just done a better job at building it, it would have been, you know, I know people love that car um, when they talk about it, but it's, it's, it was, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, if they brought it back, like a little neon EV, and they just sort of updated the the the, uh, the design, I'd be like, yeah. You'd be awesome. happy. Yeah, yeah. But it's, man. It actually, know. The, com- the computer actually died while I was driving it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> just driving, all of a sudden the car just shut off. And I was like, what Ooh, the heck? Like, everything. And that's I'm like, it. That's oh all my. you got. And I'm going downhill in San Francisco. And I'm like, okay. And then we just pulled over. And we took it into the. Uh, I was going the, downhill. I was, I was going, going down. downhill, so I just kept coasting. <laughs> yeah, thank God I was going downhill. Not up, I was like, and then things oh, really God. went downhill. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we, take it, we took it in. The guy's like, uh, yeah, the computer's dead. Yeah, we, we, we sh- you just got to go. And we're like, oh, forget it. <laughs> we might give it to like the cash for kids or cash for cars or kids for cash or. Cars for one, kids. One of those programs where you can donate a car for a tax. Yeah. yeah, I think we donated it and it was gone. Thank God. Huh. All right. Uh, Chris Emery asks, um, I listened to uh, Sam on the Tech Guy with Leo, and now I found wheel bearings, and I'll be listening here too. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> I've gone from a hybrid to a plug-in hybrid, and I'm now ready to jump into the EV pool. You had suggested looking at the Kona EV one day with Leo. Um, that one does fit my budget. So I have the Kona EV and the Chevy Bolt EUV and Kia Nero EV on my list. My problem is either due to the supply chain or regional restrictions, mm. the Hyundai sales manager told me they simply were not they were simply not delivering Kona EV to Florida. Uh, oh. I cannot find Aww. anything in stock, and no one will take future leases. Uh, any ideas on how to get uh, into an EV in South Florida? That's oh, a bummer. God. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is one of the things Hyundai and Kia um, for the past several years. They've only been selling their plug-in vehicles in California and the other states that follow the California EV mandates, of which Florida is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that you can't buy directly from a, a Hyundai dealer or a Kia dealer in, in Florida. Uh, but there are ways around this. Um, you know, One option would be to go to one of the EV mandate states, like, let's say, go to California, take a little trip to California, buy the car there. And then drive it back. Make a little uh, road trip. Yeah. You know, do a little transcontinental road trip. Or you know, go to Colorado or you know, one of the other states where they're selling them. Um, if, you know, if you want the, the Kona or uh, the Nero or any other Hyundai or Kia EV, that's kind of – especially if you want one new, that's kind of your only option. You can buy used ones in Florida and, and in other places. Uh, so you might want to take a look at what's what's available in the used market, although it's you know probably going to be pretty thin. Uh, but but that is that's also an option. And then really the the Bolt is the only uh, one that you know right now of of those vehicles that is available in all fifty states. Yeah. So a Chevy dealer should be able to sell you one in, in Florida. Or move. 
Mark. Yeah, well, the, you know, that's not the worst option in the world. You know, we are talking about Florida here. South Florida, isn't it like pretty? I've never, you know what? I've that's never true. been to Florida, so I don't know. Depend, depends where you are. You've, you wait, know. you've never South been to Florida? I've ever? never been to Florida. Every every drive program that goes to Florida, I'm like, oh, I can't make it. I can't make it. I can't make it. Well, I don't even have any not a drive program, just never been to Florida? I mean, I, don't have like, any, I live on the West Coast. Why do I need to go to Florida? I got because Hawaii. They have better the oranges. Same. I don't know. Florida oranges are a thing, right? Do you like oranges, have, Robbie? Go to have, the source. We have, we have oranges in California. But you're not known for them like Florida. Isn't Florida All the of orange? orange? Yeah, but Florida's only got better marketing for their oranges. Okay, yeah, well, like, Florida has really good orange marketing. Go to Florida. It's like and get Idaho. Orange, it's like Idaho and potatoes. I potatoes, mean, yeah. which I drove through Idaho just trying to find like some place to, and I couldn't find any place. I was like, I need, I couldn't find potatoes. Like I wanted like, no. to be like a thing. And cheese. I wanted there to be a We have more cheese in California. We have we have yeah. oranges. We Let have, me tell you the one real reason you want to go. Pay, pay a visit. We to have South Disneyland Florida. here. Why? It's no, not as good as Disney World. That matters. There's what? one really good reason to go to South Florida. That is Cuban food. Oh, oh that's yeah, that's great true. Cuban food. There you in go, South Florida. Bam. Every time I have Cuban Jacksonville, here. you know, don't go there to Orlando. Go. There you go. Go to South Beach. You know, hang out on South Beach for a week or so. Get an Airbnb. That's what my wife and I did a few years ago. And just get an Airbnb on South Beach. Great Cuban food. He's All got right. you. Now you get. Now you, you have that's a reason. Yeah. Very that's nice. the only reason. reason. Yeah, that's the only reason. Yeah. Go visit Florida. Forget the Everything. oranges. Go get and Cuban you know food. if you see if you see Alex Roy driving around, you know, give him a wave. Oh yeah, say hi to Alex. Yeah, he's, he's Hang out with Alex Roy. <laughs> say hi to Alex Roy yeah. and eat Cuban food. That sounds like a good time, actually. <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest, it's not the not the worst thing you could do, spend your time on. Uh, all right, last one uh, from Jim Pettendry. Pettendry. I'm, I'm sorry, Jim. I would I'm, say Pittendry the way that is. Pittendry. Pittendry. Okay. I'm going with Pittendry. Um, Sorry, Jim, Jim, if I messed it up. Please, um, you know, feel free to, to write back to us and, you know, give us some pronunciation <laughs> guidance. And actually, um, you know, in, in the future, um, you know, anybody that wants to, you know, in addition to Twitter, you can, there's a link on the wheelbearings.media site for uh, contact. You know, if you want to send a question that, you know, takes a little bit longer than, uh, then you can fit in a tweet, uh, which is what, uh, what Chris, Dem- Chris did. Um, you know, use the, use the email link on the site. And then, you know, provide us some guidance on uh, pronunciation because, you know, we really do want to try to say people's names right. We know. try, but sometimes they're, they, they're not as intuitive they're, as people they're, think. Yeah, they're, 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 they're frequently yeah. not obvious. I can't say Sam's last name, so that should give you an indication. We need to have pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all Sam, you know, Sam. Like, what's his Sam, last name? That's Sam. Sam. Sam the car guy. Sam the car guy? Oh, Sam. yeah, I know him. You know Sam. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Jim asked, on the 5th of August, uh, you spoke of limiting vehicle speeds. I was stationed in uh, Germany during the oil embargo, uh, so this was in the 1970s, and the German government lowered the speeds on the Autobahn to 100 kilometers an hour, which uh, for Americans is about 62 miles an hour. Um, A lot of the public said it was was their right to go as fast as they wanted. Um, Well, yeah. When I was a kid and we were getting our license, what would they kept saying? It's not a right, it's a... The privilege. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's a, I mean, not it's a right, not a right. It's a privilege. I think that's. I, I think that's the whole argument right there. Driving is not a right. It's a privilege. It is, but I do think that sixty-two is too slow on a highway. Yeah. Well, it's also during the during the oil embargo. So. F, yeah. Whatever. I mean, sixty-two I mean, is still too slow on a highway. I mean, I, also, I, I also, up. sixty-two in a car in the seventies was pretty quick. <laughs> That's true. Not sixty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the I top speeds were probably about seventy-five. <laughs> yeah. 
So it wasn't as much of a drastic decrease as we're thinking because it's 2022. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in Ontario, Canada, where the speed limit was, in fact, 100 kilometers an hour, you know, 62 oh. miles an hour. But nobody drove 62 miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> if, you were, if you were going 62, you were getting passed by pretty much everybody. You know, the average speed on the, the highways was typically between 120, 130 kilometers an hour. So about 75 to 80 miles an hour. Which is about what it is here in Michigan most of the time. Yeah, that's what it is here in California. Yeah. So. It's 65, but everyone's doing at least 70, 70. Well, here's the weird thing about my house. They're either doing the regular speed limit, 70, 75, or they're doing like 100, or they're doing 45. Yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what's going on, and it's only this weird stretch of road near where I live where people are driving just everything, just 10 tenths, and then flipping their cars and bursting into flames, or they're <laughs> driving... Like, they, they haven't found fourth gear. <laughs> They're like, you know, third gear is good. This is good. 40, 45 miles an hour on the freeway where everyone's doing 65 seems completely safe, which isn't. It's not. <laughs> put your hazards on. So, if you're going to drive that slow, please put your hazards on because that's not there's – a, there's a thing called anticipation, and people yeah. do not anticipate you be driving crazy slow. Well, the, the, you know, especially on highways, the thing that is most likely to, to cause crashes is um, – is not necessarily high speeds will, you know, if you're driving faster than you are capable of controlling the vehicle and, yes. and it's safe for that vehicle, that, that, you know, that, that does cause crashes. The other thing that causes crashes is significant differences in speed. So, you know, especially, you know, if people are not paying attention, if they're not paying enough attention, if everybody's driving the same speed, things tend to go fairly smoothly. But when you have vast differences in speed, that's when problems start to happen. Um, and so, you know, you, uh, unless there's a mechanical problem that prevents you from kind of going with the flow of traffic, you know, you should try to stick fairly close to the flow of traffic. Um, yeah. You know, uh, by the same thing, you don't want to be going significantly faster than the flow of traffic. If the flow of traffic is going 70, 75 miles an hour, dry, you know, try to drive that speed, you know, because you you want to minimize the need for overtaking and changing lanes. You know, if everybody's just going along at that speed, if you go that speed, it's going to be safer. But if you've got somebody bombing along at a hundred, 120, 140 miles an hour, when everybody else is going 70, that's when trouble happens. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand, especially people in their twenties and thirties don't realize how much the vehicle is keeping you from dying. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in your 40s or older, you you there there have been times where your car has just lost it at like 20, 30 miles an hour because we didn't mm-hmm. have all you know anti lock brakes, we didn't have traction control, we didn't. Yep. Um, now barely had seatbelts when I was a kid. Yeah, we barely right. had seat. Apparently, we didn't have seatbelts in my family. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're you know right now the the you know, cars are so much smarter and are so much safer. But the issue is, is that when you lose it, when when it does break free, you're breaking free at a, an incredible amount of speed. If you're breaking free at yeah. 80 miles an hour, whereas like when we were kids and we broke free at like 25, at 25 you're like, oh gosh, you kind of like the, you, the you, consequences you kinda, are not as great as uh, you you have far less kinetic energy to dissipate when you come to a stop because it's it's not actually the speed that kills you; it's the sudden change in speed when you hit something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's that sudden, sudden deceleration. Kablam. Yeah, so you like, see, I see vehicles, like, people are just flying around these back and forth, back and forth, you know, flying through traffic, and you can see the car, like, doing its best to keep this person safe, 
and then at least once a week there's you know some kids they were in a you know an SUV typically it's an SUV because that's the family car and they took it out from their parents and it <laughs> broke free once it broke free that was it it's done and then every yeah everyone's in trouble there's a fire there's this there's that yeah it's it's uh, I think and, yeah it's it's and, and it's it's kind of terrifying they're like yeah I'm a great driver like. Yeah, you're a great passenger right now. <laughs> the, car's do- <laughs> the car's really doing a lot. The to car's keep you doing from- all the work. <laughs> and this yeah. is actually one of the dangers, you know, with having so many vehicles now that have four wheel drive or all wheel drive, especially in, in poor weather conditions. You know, yes, the the extra traction will will help you to keep going. But if you drive you know that doesn't necessarily mean you should be driving at higher speeds. If it if you're in a snowstorm, you should not be going down the highway at 70 miles an hour even if you have four-wheel drive because you know if that if it, if you lose traction and you will lose traction at that speed mm-hmm. and you go off, that just means you're going to go further off the road into the the woods or wherever. Um, you know, you're, you're going to get in trouble at higher speeds, but you're still going to get in trouble. So you should still be slowing down, you know, in poor weather conditions and, you know, taking all that into account in your, in your driving and be responsible. All wheel drive is not a magic, is not the magic bullet that people assume it is. No, people think it it does everything and it doesn't, it doesn't save you. Don't be stupid. I, I have this argument with people all the time, and they, they they do not believe me. I'm like, a two-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, or rear-wheel drive vehicle with really good winter tires will do way better than your all-wheel drive vehicle with all seasons. And they're like, no, yeah, huh. no. I'm like, I know the marketing people have done such a great job telling you how great all-wheel drive is. And I love an all-wheel drive vehicle, especially for acceleration and pulling out of corners. But... <laughs> That's not yeah. how it works. When, when, when winter tires, winter tires. I can't when, say enough good things about winter tires. Like seriously, if you're someplace where you have weather that goes below like 40, 45 degrees for most of the winter, you should put winter tires on your car. And Blizzaks are my favorite, yeah. favorite, mm. favoritest. I have them on my car. I love them. I show what, them my hard-earned cash for them. Yeah, the name. I mean, like, yeah. what are you driving on? I'm driving a Blizzaks. When, that just when, when my cool. wife and I got first got married 30, almost 30 years ago, she was driving uh, a Mercury Sable with all season tires and I had a five liter Mustang and in the winter time I put winter tires on it mm-hmm. and that thing didn't have ABS or traction control or any of that stuff. And it was way more stable in the snow than mm-hmm. that front wheel drive Sable ever was. Uh, so, you know, it, you know, I, I personally have, you know, in the course of my engineering career spent a lot of time driving on snow and ice, you know, developing stability control and traction control systems and, you know, I've driven on a lot of different kinds of tires from, you know, high performance summer tires to studded winter tires and everything in between. And winter tires are absolutely the thing. I to- 120% agree with you, Nicole. You know, if you live somewhere where it's where it snows um, or where it gets cold, winter tires are way better than any any all season tires. And I know it's, and people think that like, oh, but it's such an extra expense. Well, it's not really because you're, you're not driving your all seasons or whatever else you have on. So they're being shelved for a few months out of the year. It's just, and they're, and they're going to last longer. They're going to last longer because for part of the year now you're putting the winter tires on the car and they're doing the mileage that your all seasons would otherwise be getting. They've done some dry programs where they've had us test like a company's all season tire and a company's winter tire on ice to show the difference that it makes. Like it's their own tires. And like, this is the difference. And the difference is 
dramatic. It is dramatic. Same vehicle, same conditions, same everything. Your all season will be okay, but then you get into the winter and you're like, oh, I stopped way the heck sooner than I did with the all season. Oh, I yeah. had way better control. I didn't fishtail as much. Like it's guys, it's a dramatic difference. If you can, if you live where you get winter and you can afford to get another set of tires, get yourself a pair of winter tires. Yeah, my, yeah. my daughter got a set of winter tires, an extra set of wheels for yeah. her Toyota 86 last year. And going through the past winter on those, she was shocked at how much better it was than, it makes than driving all seasons. Yep. I, they're, they're the bestest. Okay. There's our, yep. there's our PSA on going and getting winter tires. <laughs> Get winter tires. Uh, speeding is not a right. It's a privilege. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> not quite sure that last part came up right. But speeding is not a right. It's a privilege. Wait, no. You shouldn't be speeding. But you, you're going. We all Robbie. You be safe be out speeding. there, please. Yes. Be, be responsible. Yes. Don't don't be an idiot behind the wheel. Yeah. Take a driving yeah. course. Those Tr- are fun. Trust me, you are not Lewis Hamilton. You think yes. you don't, are. don't act like it. Yes. See, so, you know it's funny. So when you I do wrote that article of... on Friday, <laughs> don't you're let, not, you're like, let I literally you... said you are not Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> have you, Have you ever been <laughs> in that article? Up? I don't even know. There's like there'll be like a track drive and they'll let you do laps and you do laps and laps and laps and laps. And after you've done a bunch of laps, you're like, I'm so good at this track. I got this. I am, I am brilliant at this track. I have it down. And then they have you do a hut lap with the race car drivers there. And, and you're so like, realized, oh, oh, I am S H I T. I cannot drive. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah. think you're good until you're with someone who is good. And you're like, I am not. I'm not good. Yeah. If, I'm not. if you, if you ever want to, you know, I, I, I know I've seen lots of surveys over the years where, where drivers, you know, in surveys of drivers were, you know, eighty-five percent of them think they're above average, um, and <laughs> oh. you know, obviously that that math does not quite pencil yeah, up. The math but if you matter. if you ever want to prove to yourself that you are not above average, uh-huh. go somewhere, go to a racetrack or somewhere, you know, where you can ride shotgun yeah. with a professional race car driver. Lord, they will prove and, just how much you have to uh, learn. Yes, I I thought I was, I, you know, I think I'm a safe driver. Um, but I thought I was a good driver until I became an automotive journalist. Right. And I would be in like an S. I would be like in a sports car, like in you know, drive programs where we're driving lots of cars up and down the hill. The World Car of the Year thing, especially. I'd be in a sports car, and I would have somebody behind, like the first few years, someone behind me, like an SUV, just riding my ass, being like, "Why are you going so slow?" Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm going really fast. Wait, why are there four cars behind I, me, right up yeah, on my butt? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten much better, but I'm definitely not the the best. Uh, driver or the fastest driver is as an automotive reporter i think maybe i'm probably in the middle somewhere like i've done trips with like let's say tim stevens uh mm-hmm. former eic of rocho he's an amazing mm-hmm. driver and they're like hey it's just going to be you and tim on this on this uh this trip and i'm like oh so it's going to be this really great guy and then me <laughs> <laughs> no you're tim, tim tim races his subaru on, a fr- on frozen lakes in upstate new york and yep. yeah so, so yeah. Tim, is, yeah, he, he knows it's, car control he does. Yeah, Tim knows car control way better than, than the majority of the humans on the planet. And so it's, yeah, so you think you're a great driver. And this is what it happens a lot when you're driving, when I'm driving around and I'll end up like catching up to like a car club and they all have Porsches and I'm driving like a Civic. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just on their tail. I'm like, guys, I know you love your Porsches, but I drive, like my entire job is driving cars. <laughs> So please right. pull over. <laughs> move. <laughs> please move. Don't it and don't feel bad because somebody uh, is is going to pass you because they're a better driver than you. Just don't. It's fine. Yeah. Never let that pressure you into driving never, faster in never any drive situation. Faster, yeah. 
just, like with just, the guy on the highway that's on your butt. You know what? If he really needs to just get out of the way and let just him go and let way. him wrap himself around a tree if he's an idiot. Don't you're do that yourself. You're gonna be a, yeah. Your yeah. whole life is gonna feel so much. You're, you're gonna reduce so much stress in your life if you just like All sort of the like stress will go away. You'll just be <sighs> you'll, you'll be centered. You'll find yourself. Just don't need to be the fastest person on the road. You don't. Yes. You don't. Just relax. Be smooth. Pay attention. <sighs> you know. Get, don't wait till the last second to get on the brakes or to yes. turn the wheel. You know, do everything smooth. gradually. Smooth yes. and gradual. That's the, that's the trick. Yes, exactly. exactly. Drive like Jackie Stewart. Yeah. All right. With that, uh, let's call it a show. <laughs> and we will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done.